This week, the Road to Cinema podcast talks with Oscar-nominated screenwriter Allison Schroeder of Hidden Figures, the true story of three black female mathematicians who propelled the space program in the United States in the early 1960s. Schroeder shares with us her writing process for creating detailed, nuanced characters, how she originally pitched Hidden Figures to both studio executives and producers. We'll learn about some of her future passion projects, the possibility of a Hidden Figures Broadway musical, and her reaction upon learning of her Oscar nomination. Allison is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay alongside co-screenwriter and director Ted Melfi. And you can read Road to Cinema's interview with director and co-screenwriter Ted Melfi on the Road to Cinema blog on jogroadproductions.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at jogroad, Instagram, at jogroadproductions, like our Facebook page, Jog Road Productions. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Jog Road Productions, to see interviews with Don Cheadle, Max Landis, Peter Bogdanovich, and many more. And you can subscribe to the Road to Cinema podcast on iTunes. And don't forget to write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page. And now we join the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of Hidden Figures, Allison Schroeder, as we learn about her writing process and how she implements her research into the screenplay. I wanted to start off by talking about uh, your research process and how that relates to how you carve out the story, uh, because I know you had you know copious amounts of research and mm-hmm. writing hidden figures, and I was just curious, how do you take that detailed research and translate it into you know a streamlined narrative and uh, also just character development? Well, um, Marguerite Shadowley was amazing, and we had her book proposal, but the book hadn't been written yet, so she gave us all of her research. And a lot of times it would just be, you know, a simple line here or there that I could, you know, build character an entire sequence out of. So um, it talked a lot about, like, Dorothy Vaughn said that, you know, that which she could not change, she just endured. And that was a very telling uh, statement about her character, right, so that she you know, then became sort of this slightly motherly figure who would sort of persevere, but when things didn't go away, she just sort of endured what was happening to her. And then there would be moments where I read about Mary Jackson and how she said that when she was on a new part of campus, the newer, recently built part, and she was looking for a restroom, that the white women sort of giggled at her and laughed at her, knowing that her bathroom was all the way on the other campus, and that just struck me as sort of so awful. And then when I read about what their dress code was and that they had to wear heels and nylon and everything, I thought, well, could you imagine having to walk that far for a bathroom in the Virginia summers and the dead winter? And it really frustrated her. And so that became, you know, this big sequence about the colored versus white restrooms, and it was transposed to Catherine um, to show how she was an outsider to the space task group. Um, And then I did a lot of, research on, you know, what their community, the suburban development was that they lived in, uh, their community church events, what their, you know, personal lives were like, and one of, there was like videos, you know, of early Fortran programming that I could watch so I could get a sense of it. And then I actually read We Seven by the Mercury astronauts themselves. Um, so that I could understand the engineering and the math and, and everything that they were doing. So it was just taking bits and pieces from everywhere, really. 
how important was it for you to uh, really distinguish uh, the three women on the page when you were writing? Very important because, I, you know, I think we always wanted them to be complicated, layered women, and they were very different from each other, but at the same time, they were family and they were friends and they lifted each other up. And so Dorothy, you know, being the supervisor role, you know, sort of gave her this automatic sort of leader of the group. Uh, and then Catherine was always a bit more of a quiet dignity. And even today, she's very humble and doesn't understand what all the fuss is about. So that became her character. And then Mary was the more outspoken one, you know, and a little bit more the daring one. And and that was Janelle Monet's character. So um, just showing these three personalities and how they complemented each other. And sometimes when one was having a bad day, you know, the other could lift them up. Um, but I think, I think it worked really well together. Were you uh, also thinking visually as you were writing the script, and did you have any collaboration uh, with Ted Melfi at any points? Well, we, you know, we were all looking at the archival photographs, and so I think from the beginning we were just going to the source material, right? And so I think for all of us when we showed up on set and we saw what Win the production designer, had done, it was astounding to see that he had created, you know, a tracking room and the costume designer had you know, nailed their outfits and their hairdos, and we never wanted to um, make them frumpy or sort of these stereotypes you get of women. You know, they're very, very fashionable, and um, and so I think that was it. We just stuck to the truth, honestly. What is uh, your process for writing, and how does that change? Um, you know, once a director comes on board, like Ted Melfi, who you know also has a point of view on the material. I mean, it, it, it depends on the project, honestly. It, if it's more character-driven, then I tend to have just the arcs, and I, I always like to know where the end point is. And, um, again, you know, we knew sort of what the end title cards were, so we knew what we were building to that, and so that always stayed the same. And then just sort of the beginning was more what would sometimes evolve. But if it's a trickier, like if it's a thriller, right, um, then that's a lot more plotting to just put in the clues and the red herrings and the bad guy. And so that all outline much more thoroughly um, than something like this because I find when I'm writing to sort of keep me engaged, I want to discover things in the dialogue and in the scenes themselves. So I did, a, I did some of that on Hidden Figures where I would just sit down and, and see what kind of unfolded. Um, and then one of the things with, with Ted was when we just looked at, you know, the cast and, and the actors that were brought on board and, and making sure that their roles were um, really highlighting them. And then also, you know, we worked a lot with NASA to make sure that the, the facts and the math and everything was was accurate. How important uh, was it for you to have some understanding of what the math was? And, and also, I knew that, you know, you had an internship at NASA growing up. Did you have a a sort of foundation for how the math worked in any way? I did, yes. I mean, I, I grew up by NASA. I'm a NASA baby. My grandmother was a programmer at NASA. My grandfather worked on the Mercury Castle. And so I learned everything from, you know, like the basics of binary coding to how to build a circuit board um, to getting to, you know, be on the launch pad and the early mission control. So that was vital for just building the atmosphere when I was writing. Um, sort of using some of my uh, grandmother's southern sayings was very helpful. Uh, and then I think it was just 
reading about it and making sure to understand it. You know, I certainly took a lot of math in, in college and understanding the elliptical to a parabolic orbit and, you know, that these different rockets can only get so far. So, yes, I understood, you know, all of that. But when I did try to sit down and read Catherine's um, paper on the azimuth angle, just the variables alone, I mean, just the foundation you have to have to read that report would take so long just, just to learn, you know, the variables before you even got into our calculations. So that was very humbling to realize just how much knowledge, you know, everyone going into this had to have to break the new math. Um, so, no, I couldn't, I, could, I couldn't read her paper and understand <laughs> all of it, only bits and pieces. Yeah, no, it was overwhelming to uh, to see the math that Catherine had uh, you know, put up on that chalkboard in the film. It's just incredible how much effort went into that. And that was, you know, way before calculators and computers were part of the mix. Right. right. I mean, just now, you know, we type in cosine or, you know, tangent into our calculators and, and we're so used to that. But they had tables and tables that they had to refer to and, and she memorized a lot of that. So that's just an incredible amount. Of knowledge to have. Uh, do you ever find yourself uh, writing dialogue in the voice of the actors once you know you have an idea of sort of you know that certain people are attached to the project or you're finding yourself you know trying to sort of emulate their voice in the dialogue? I don't know if I'm trying to emulate their voice in the dialogue with so much of how I see them as a character. Um, so not really writing for you know, Octavia Spencer or Taraji per se, but writing for them as, you know, Dorothy or Catherine, I think is more of it. And even in the early stages when we didn't have any cast attached, I certainly would close my eyes and try and imagine, you know, different actresses saying them. And sometimes I say it out loud in my living room to make sure it, it, it makes sense. But yeah, I definitely close my eyes and, and let the scene play out uh, and see how it sounds. What was uh, your process for uh, pitching your take on the material? Um, you know, of course, there was the book as foundation, and you, know, you went in to sort of give your point of view on it. Uh, but did you sort of have uh, sort of a streamlined pitch for how you wanted to convey what your point of view was on the script? Well, it was an interesting. It was really interesting how it all came about. So they sent the proposal. They read my Agatha Christie script that I sold to Paramount, and they they loved it, and so they knew I could do you know period piece, female, and uh, and so they had no idea of my NASA background. So the first thing I did when I got on the phone was just sort of tell them all about my experiences at NASA and my experiences in STEM as a woman and some of the pushback that I got, for instance, that uh, Mary Jackson scene when Janelle Monet says the, shows up at class and the professor says, you know, this curriculum's not designed to teach a woman, she says it's just like teaching a man, you know, that actually happened to me when I was studying abroad. So I just told uh, Donna Gelati and Renee Witt some of those stories and that I really wanted this to be a movie about women lifting each other up and, and you know, persevering and that it would, wouldn't just be one victory, but lots of little victories along the way and then also knowing there's the next obstacle to overcome. So those are sort of my themes, and then I pitched them the ending where, you know, I was like, and Catherine's racing around the numbers, and he has to take off, and the countdown clock is going, and she's 
furiously writing with her pencil, and everybody's staring on, and the pressure is mounting, and then she's running, and she races the numbers to them, and he can lift off, and Donna was like, I don't understand the math, but that's exciting. Um, and then I pitched the idea that uh, you always see a mechanic, you know, underneath in his, his um, jumpsuit on a slider, and wouldn't it be fun to see a woman, you know, in pantyhose and, and heels instead, and really subvert the stereotype, and in the pitch, uh, she was underneath the capsule doing that, and in the, the final film, it's um, Octavia Spencer under the car engine, um, and that was it, and I thought it was just a preliminary sort of phone call to see if they liked me, and then I would come back with a full, broken, three-act pitch, uh, and instead they hacked me off that phone call, so that was pretty incredible. Uh, would love to <laughs> that it happened that way all the time. Um <laughs> And then they just gave me a lot of free reign to, to, to see what I'd come up with. Yeah. No, I read uh, in another interview that, you know, over the years you had given so many pitches and, uh, yes. you know, it was, it was hard for you to sort of lock down a project. Do you think during that time you really um, refined your skill pitching? And do you think that is yeah. sort of a skill that you need to develop as a writer? I, oh, pitching is essential. Um, I think you definitely need to have to do it and you need to do it do it well because, you know, you have to keep your listeners engaged and a lot of these executives and producers hear so many and so I feel like I owe it to them to, to do a good job and really, you know, entertain them to a certain degree. Um, I think what it taught me, because I came from an improv and a theater background, so I was used to a certain amount of performing, I think what it taught me most was how to break story. Because when you're doing it, over and over again, and it's three-act structure and the point of attack and the midpoint and the low point and the twist, and, and I stick to structure, you know, pretty closely, it started to become ingrained, and it's more second nature to me now, and that's just, it, it just makes writing so much easier that I've practiced and practiced and practiced structure and breaking stories, and now I can sort of sit back and let go a little bit more because I have that foundation. Um, keeps you humble too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to ask, um, you know, aside from hidden figures, what have been the screenplays that you have been really passionate about uh, moving forward that maybe you wrote on spec, uh, you know, just for mm -hmm. you? Well, I wrote, I mean, the Agatha Christie one in real life, she went missing for 11 days and her car was found at the bottom of a ditch. And then when they found her, she had amnesia. And so I've sort of rewritten what really happened during those 11 days. And, of course, she, you know, saved us all from uh, the fall of, uh, of capitalism and, the, you know, the, com you know German the Germans didn't get us. Because uh, I think that's far more exciting than she just thought her husband was cheating on her and ran away. I want Agatha Christie to be a hero. And there's a lot of nods to her novels within it. Um, I wrote uh, a post-apocalyptic uh, script called Scorched Earth that I still think of fondly um, and would love to see that get made. And then I have um, various television projects, but I'm also looking to the future. And so one of the things I want to do is a mini series on the women of history that a lot of people don't know about and sort of bring their stories to light. I really want to do Hidden Figures as a Broadway musical, so we'll see. Oh, that would be incredible. <laughs> I think that would be a really fun one as a Broadway musical. Would you Especially write the because, songs for it too? Or would you write the songs for it? 
I I write book and lyrics, and then I and then someone else does the composing. So I've done a, I did a musical side effects for Optimus TV, um, Universal, and UCP, and um, I have a musical now with Scooter Braun at Universal uh, Cable. So I love it. That's where I started with theater, and in real life, you know, um, Jim Johnson and Catherine were in a choir together. And so I'm just like, oh, and there'll be all these choir scenes in the musical, so we'll have a stomp moment with the calculators, but I don't think I've convinced anyone quite yet, so (laughs) we'll see. Uh, Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, there was pushback, you know, growing up, you said as a a girl interested in math, um, you as a woman, as a screenwriter, did you ever feel that there was any pushback from people in that area as well? Oh, absolutely. And I still think there there is. I think um, I think it's hard. Uh, I think that I think that especially I got pigeonholed a lot in teen comedy because I just didn't look like an action writer. I didn't look like a sci-fi writer, and I think that's a shame. I think we need to be more open. And I often feel torn because I often am the only woman in the room or the only woman on a panel, and you're torn between, uh, you know, showing both your intellectual side and your thoughtful side and sort of representing women in that way, but also, you know, I like to be funny and I like to be entertaining. And um, and so there's sort of this conflict that I sometimes feel of, you know, how can you be, how do I say this? How, you know, both proving your right for the job but staying true to yourself, right? And so that's a tricky a tricky thing. And um, so far I just keep showing up and I'm not going away and um, I'm going to keep writing the films that I like to see and the protagonists that I like to see. And um, more and more people seem to, to, to be wanting to make those films. Um, but it's not easy. And uh, so hopefully... Hopefully more women will, will just keep showing up to the table. Yeah. Uh, lastly, I was just curious, uh, you know, what was your reaction when you learned of your Oscar nomination? <laughs> well, I, had just, uh, I had just fallen back to sleep. I, um, my little girl was nine weeks old at the time, so I just finished nursing and it had fallen into a sleep, and my sister ran in the room screaming, you did it, you did it, and I, just, I had no idea what she was talking about at first. And, uh, and then it hit me, and I sort of was in disbelief, and... And then we all sort of started cheering, and Emily started crying, and we said, "No, it's okay." And uh, so it was, it was happy chaos, and uh, it was pretty, it was pretty special. <laughs>